Comms Day Live. I'm Graham Lynch and welcome to what will be the last show for calendar year 2023. Well, today we're going to be hearing from Sat1, who's offering enterprise LeoSat services in Australia, and also the Shadow Communications Minister, David Coleman. Well, first up, I wanted to talk about um, Vision Network. This is TPG's access network um, across Australia. It, it's not very well known, but it's actually second to the MBN in terms of its scale, passes about 400,000 premises, um, a whole bunch of apartment blocks, particularly in the eastern state capitals, Sydney, Brisbane and Melbourne. Also a lot of inner Canberra um, with the Transact network that it bought uh, many years ago. Um, and of course also the regional HFC networks from, um, originally from neighbourhood cable in places such as Ballarat and Geelong and Mildura. So uh, it's, it's only just finding its feet as a separate wholesale network spun out of TPG. And um, it's, it's pricing quite aggressively um, against NBN. It's uh, from 10th of January, it's offering some new prices. A hundred up, uh, sorry, hundred down, 40 megs up plan will be just $50 a month. That's $10 down. This is wholesale, of course. Um, a 250-50 plan will be at $55 and a so-called max um, down 50 up plan will be $65. Now max is run over um, HFC um, or on the fibre to the node and fibre to the basement uh, networks operated by Vision over GFAST. And GFAST is the iteration of DSL that allows speeds of up to a gigabit per second. So you're, talk, you're talking some in, incredibly fast speeds. And uh, interestingly, in places where MBN's not necessarily offering those faster speeds yet in the fibre to the basement footprint, quite often it's still just offering 100 megs um, as a maximum. So, so very, very interesting competitive developments. Now, um, we spoke with one of the first independent retailers of Vision Network, and that's a, a Brisbane telco um, called Capti. And we spoke with Todd Maunder, who's their founder and CEO. He, he's probably, um, he's quite well known around the industry for a previous ISP that he ran called Link One that he sold to Spirit in 2019 for nearly $6 million. So he's been around, um, but he, he, we asked him to tell us about why he's joined up with Vision and what he sees as the unique selling proposition. We started Capti about two years ago. Yeah. Um, I've been in and out of ISPs over the last few years and we wanted to build an ISP, I guess, on on a technology stack that focused on automation, um, you know, so right down from support network, um, orchestration, service delivery. So we're very focused on APIs. Um, and we wanted to be able to leverage the power of AI and software automation to enable us to be a better RSP, to enable us to deliver more cost-effective services to consumers, mm. consumers through using automation to provide our front-level support um, tools and resources that typically only engineers would have. Um, to allow us to do case resolution faster. And it means that, you know, in, in, with the cost of wages these days as well, we don't need as many network engineers to be able to deliver good outcomes for customers. Yeah. So we've, we we built, uh, we started building that two years ago, focused on that. <clears throat> we we did, uh, we started building our own FTTP um, and we're in about 75 buildings. And then we wanted a partner that we could we could expand with to give us a national reach because you know we'd find that people would move um and, and we also found some some gaps in the market but when we looked at mbn's product set we couldn't really find a place um because you know it's highly commoditized yeah. the speeds are, are the same as what everyone else is, is is playing at and 
we found from our perspective, we've gone from doing FTTP from being able to do one and 10. And now what we're going to go back to MBN and do 100 meg services, it really didn't sort of fit our appetite and sort of yeah. where we wanted to go. Yeah. So I started talking to Vision when we we found out that they were opening up the GFAST and it was appealing because not only the price, but the tech stack. You know, like I, I'd followed the GFAST journey over the years quite extensively. And, you know, the ability to be able to deliver something different where NBN is sort of under-servicing the clients yeah. stood out. So I reached out to them and, you know, we, we got on board and we did some API integration and some testing and it all went really well. Um, and then I suppose the, the cherry on top is the pricing and, and the um, the offers. So we're not doing NBN. Uh, we're doing just vision. We're doing just our own stuff. And I suppose we're only doing uh, strategic buildings where, where we either of us have coverage. But it seems to be really working. And where we are delivering services to customers, they are seeing us as a point of difference compared to what they've been able to source through alternate providers like the MBN. Yeah. So it's been a good journey so far. Yeah. Um, from, from our point of view, um, you know, we, we, we want to grow into a scale player, but we want to do it in terms of delivering unique and innovative solutions. And so far, we've been really happy. Yeah. What, what, what's um, jumped out at you about GFAST so far, you know, in terms of its service characteristics? Does it, is it feel similar to FTTP in, in terms of uh, user experience or are there significant differences? Yeah, it, 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 mate, it really does. I'm familiar with both techs and, you know, the customer gets an NTU, um, they get a port, they get a UniD port, so to speak. Um, and, you know, it allows us to support IPOE. They don't need to have any special modems. The customers can bring most of their MBN modems across, so the transition is quite easy. You know, they've got the DSL port. Most of them have got the combo WAN now. Yeah. Um, so so a, 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 a standard VDSL plus modem can support GFAST. Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. No, no. Okay, well, okay. no but, but, but yeah. most customers, VDSL modems these days, yeah. anything that the major providers are sending out, they have an Ethernet WAN port. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's the transition's really quite simple. Um, and I suppose, how does it feel? I think with the, the GFAST, the installations have been really good because the TPG boys have got jumpering down pat. Yeah, okay. Um, and this is just a single pair jumper to turn a service up. And they put a, a little white box that gives a customer an ethernet port. Um, so it's the same. You know, we, we, we put orders in, the customers are getting connected within three days. Yeah. Like yeah. the customers are like, what the hell? And we are too. But the, the, the customers just get a white box. It's an NTD. They haven't got to worry about spending money on a certain GFAST modem, mm. which some customers initially thought they may. Mm. Uh, and it does have a real, I suppose, FTTP feel. We, we get, you know, sub 5 MS latency. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's not, it, it's not very different. We get, we've done all the API integration now with Vision as well, which has been successful, mm. uh, allowing us to feed all, you know, network port stats and provisioning stats into our platform. Um, so it, it doesn't look any different from our, our agent's perspective to our own fiber to the premise in our system. So that's Todd Maunder, CEO of Capti, a Vision network retailer. Now, moving on to the world of Leosats, um, we've all heard about Starlink and, and uh, all the amazing things they've done with bringing high-speed broadband out into regional Australia, but they're not the only game in town. There's also um, Utilsat's uh, OneWeb um, Leosat operation. 
It's a little different to Starlink in that it's geared more towards the enterprise market. And it has um, a, a representation in Australia via a Perth-based company called Sat1. Very, very entrepreneurial, enthusiastic fellow runs that company, um, Daniel Fairburn. And uh, he, we spoke to him about um, what he says is their first commercial signing in the enterprise market for OneWeb um, and Sat1 in Australia. Uh, you know, you, there's been a, there's a lot of noise uh, with with Leo deployments being being put out there on the consumer consumer grade network. This is this is the Southern Hemisphere's very first enterprise grade Leo service offering, um, and yeah, Sat One's extremely proud to be the provider that's deploying that. Uh, we're deploying that for uh, Hitachi Global Mining Services. Um, it's in a mine site in um, regional Queensland. Mm-hmm. Um, the mine site's called uh, Miandu. It's the Miandu mine. And um, Hitachi's role for that particular mine site is to manage and operate the autonomous vehicles and, and the entire mining uh, operational fleet. So, um, you know, that's, that's a range of very large, large excavators and large dump trucks, classic, classic open pit mine equipment. Right. Um, and um, pretty much, um, you know, from, from day one, they've struggled with little to no comms at the face. Right. So this is this is very much um, um, in the operations in the in in the mine site itself, um, and they've they've not been able to access critical comms. They've not been able to access critical applications, video conferencing, um, you know, just just BAU that we all take for granted for. For them to do that in the past, they've had to travel 30 minutes back to um, back to the head, head office, which is on the the outskirts of the mine site, if you like. To basically access or do video conferencing, etc. Now with Sat One Enterprise Leo, they can do that as if they're as if they're in HQ. Yeah. So it's it's pretty pretty awesome. Um, they um, I, I think what's what's really exciting about this not only the fact that it's the first Enterprise Leo in the Southern Hemisphere, what this has done, Graham, it's really validating the the market. It's re- and it's really really creating and kind of proving. What we've been talking about that clear delineation between our competitor network um, that we shall not mention <laughs> and in the in the consumer sphere they've done a wonderful job about getting you know getting terminals out there and, and educating the market about what leo is yeah. that's why we're, we're so excited about it but it's it's been used or being or tried to be used in in situations where it's just not fit for purpose yeah and this this for us was really that that you know that 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 light bulb moment where the cus- the customer obviously went down the path of trying to um, trying to use that that other service and it wasn't fit for purpose. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't right. Um, so they thought, Christ, you know, we need an enterprise grade Leo product, um, and Sat One was for them was the obvious choice. Yeah, uh, of which we're extremely humbled for. So for our, for that deployment, we're deploying a hundred meg down, twenty meg up service um, with um, dedicated SLAs. Um, attached to to that service like all of our products have yeah which is a you know something that the clear clear difference between our our competitor network yeah um and we're deploying that on a Kymeta u8 so you can remember we spoke about the that product before the the holographic beam forming yeah for them it, you know it's all about environmental um in, in environmental situation in terms of that heat heat issues rain um, storms and and dust ingress. So the Kymeta U8 is by far the most robust terminal in the market globally, um, for and certainly for flat panels. So you know that that terminal can withstand temperatures 
excessive 70 degrees I mean, 55 plus so you know it's 70 degrees and um and and withstands water and dust ingress so yeah. for them it was a no-brainer so it's very exciting so yeah we're um, we're very proud to be serving Hitachi and that's um now being focused um at their head office from Japan to look to do a full a full rollout across their entire uh, mining asset Now, last but not least, uh, we're joined by the Shadow Communications Minister, David Coleman. Welcome to the show, David. Hi, Graham. Good to be with you. Well, it's been it's been a long year, and you, but of course, your first year in the portfolio. So, what, what's been your take out from the year? What what were the big issues that energised you? Yeah, look, lots of issues. I mean, look, one of the one of the first things at the start of the year and that continues is the uh, issues about the administration of the mobile black spot program. Um, the Auditor General is uh, investigating uh, the government's conduct uh, in the Mobile Black Spot program in round six, where the vast majority of funding was provided to uh, locations in Labor electorates. Uh, I think that that was uh, absolutely wrong, and the way that the Minister hand-selected those uh, locations was, um, was well, frankly appalling. Um, and uh, the Auditor General's, as I say, investigating that, so I suspect that will... Uh, you know, there'll be more that he'll have more to say on that this year, uh, next year rather. Um, another uh, issue that's you know played out during the year is the government's attempt to introduce uh, the so-called misinformation bill. Um, this uh, bill would uh, very clearly result in uh, restrictions on the free speech of Australians and censorship of legitimate views. It is structured in an entirely uh, uh, ham-fisted fashion and uh, it's absolutely the wrong legislation. It's not the sort of law that should be passed in a democracy uh, and we will be fighting very hard against that um, as that continues. Um, certainly another issue that we've, we've really seen this year in, uh, around the NBN where we're seeing an acceleration in the decline of the loss of customers by the NBN right across its business um, and in particular in what they call the brownfields part of the business, which is existing homes. And what we've seen this year is tens of thousands of Australians leave the NBN. So the NBN will have uh, tens of thousands less customers in existing homes uh, on the 31st of December than they had on the 1st of January. Um, and I think people are leaving, frankly, uh, because uh, the price is going up. And... We saw a big uh, price increase that was supported by the government go through in November. There are more price increases to come. And it is very concerning that, you know, in, in, the, in the Brownfields uh, area and, and also in Satellite, where during the year NBN's lost more than 12% of its entire customer base. So, and, and really, uh, I think, you know, that's something that the government really needs to address. And another issue that's been important during the year... Um, the safety commissioner made a recommendation, a very important a recommendation, about um, age assurance technology, or often called age verification technology, and recommended that the government trial a, a pilot of that technology, particularly to protect kids from uh, online pornography and other dangerous content. There's a lot of research that shows very clearly 
that um, you know exposing children to dangerous content uh, has very significant negative effects. The eSafety Commissioner's recommendation was very sensible. The UK, just in October, has legislated for um, age verification technology and mandating it in certain situations. And the government's not doing that and instead is leaving it up to the industry. And, you know, I just think that's wrong, frankly. So we'll continue to pursue that and, you know, lots of other issues, no doubt, um, next year. Okay, so looking forward to next year, I mean, you've, you've, you've outlined a number of, of issues there. And, and next year we'll be closer to an election than we are now, <laughs> just simple, by simple definition. How do you think some of those issues might play out? And also what other issues do you think might rise to the fore, given we are coming up to an election? Yeah, well, look, I mean, I think the, the issue around the, the misinformation bill will, will certainly be a big issue next year. Now, the government says they're going to press on with it, which I find extraordinary. Uh, we just discovered in the last couple of weeks that under that misinformation bill, the minister has the power to personally direct government officials to conduct specific investigations into so-called misinformation. Now, that's very concerning. That is, is something that, you know, would not... Uh, normally happen in a democracy, and it's, I think that will be an immense battle next year. Um, I think that we'll also see the issue about the mobile black spot program come out. Now, the Auditor-General has said his report will be provided by May of next year. Um, we're still waiting on the Minister to provide documents about Round 6 of the mobile black spot program. So far, she's refused to provide any documents. And that's actually under appeal at the moment with the Information Commissioner. Um, I expect and hope that the Information Commissioner will have more to say on that in the new year because I think that people, uh, you know, deserve to, uh, to know uh, what was the Minister's involvement in Round 6 of the Mobile Black Spot Program. I mean, you know, the Australian people are the taxpayers, they pay for the government and they deserve to know that information. And, of course, on the NBN... Uh, as pro those prices continue to go up, we'll, uh, you know, we as an opposition will be, you know, monitoring that very carefully, and undoubtedly there'll be, you know, more to say about uh, the NBN next year. And of course, more generally in in politics, um, as you say, we uh, we're I guess at about the halfway mark between the previous election and and the next one. And you know, our, a big part of our job is holding the government to account. Um, it's a government that talked a big game before the election. Um, not, not such a big game after the election. And it, it uh, you know, your, your listeners will remember things about, you know, price of electricity was going to go down by $275 uh, per household. And, uh, you know, clearly that's not happening. Uh, the Prime Minister talked about making more, there'd be cheaper mortgages. Uh, well, you know, ask someone who's actually got a mortgage if that's happened. And, um, and you know, and so many more um, issues. So... There'll be, there'll be lots of issues on the go, as there always are, but certainly in communications, I think it's been a, a pretty busy year, a lot happening, and um, I suspect next year will be, will be just as busy too. Okay, well, that's the Shadow Communications Minister, David Coleman. Thanks for dropping in, and have a good Christmas and New Year. Thanks, Graham. You too. Well, that's it for Comms Day Live uh, for 2023. It's been a busy, busy year for everyone. And we'll be back brighter, bigger and better than ever in 2024. Have a good Christmas and Happy New Year from everyone at Comms Day.